The Dr. Taz Show. The podcast, Dr. Taz. Superwoman Wellness. Here's Dr. Taz. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Superwoman Wellness, where you know I am determined to bring you back to your superpower self. And we all need that with a healthy brain. So joining me today are Dr. Dean and Dr. Aisha Sherzai. They call themselves Team Sherzai. I noticed that when you were coming through. But they are experts in preventing cognitive decline for more than two decades. Successful authors, speakers, neurologists, and co-directors of the Brain Health and Alzheimer's Prevention Program at Loma Linda University, the duo fuse medical research with holistic wellness to redesign the way we approach preventive cognitive health care. In 2017, the pair wrote the book, The Alzheimer's Solution, a breakthrough program to prevent and reverse symptoms of cognitive decline at every age, which asserts that 90% of Alzheimer's cases can be prevented, 90%, guys. The book provides a comprehensive plan for reversing the symptoms of Alzheimer's disease and cognitive decline by looking at nutrition, exercise, stress, sleep, and engagement. Welcome to the show. I'm thrilled to have you guys here. This is an epidemic. This is a problem. We're seeing it over and over again in practice. I hear about it from patients and their family members. What is going on with our brains and what inspired you guys to dig into the world of Alzheimer's? Uh, We got into this about 17, 18 years ago where we met. uh, We are very uh, mission and uh, driven and we all our life we've been doing uh, service work throughout the uh, world. And uh, we met about uh, 8,000 miles away in Afghanistan in a party. And she had gone back from medical school to uh, with doctors without borders. And I had gone back with World Bank and HHS to recreate the healthcare system of the country. Wow. And we started talking and uh, we found out that, uh, and at the time I had actually finished a fellowship from uh, National Institutes of Health, uh, the experimental therapeutics branch. That's like the center of the universe as far as health is concerned. But I was doing work on, you know, third world, uh, healthcare system in Afghanistan at the time. We mm-hmm. started talking and it was uh, inadvertently it came to our grandparents where Aisha had lost her grandfather, which was a brilliant, brilliant uh, Colombian Hopkins trained surgeon and pr- prime minister of a country uh, who died from Alzheimer's. And I lost my grandfather, who was a giant of a man who died of Alzheimer's as well. Mm. And that conversation got us on a track to uh, figuring out what we can do together. So after a year of dating, we got married, we came back, we came to UCSD, which at the time was the number one neuroscience program in the country. Mm-hmm. We did some incredible work as far as fMRI and all kinds of stuff, but it just wasn't satisfying. I mean, we are not against molecular research. We are very much for research. We are very much for medicines. So we're not the, so if anybody's here thinking that we're gonna throw the baby out with the bathwater, we're not. Medicine is amazing, medicine works. But there's a place for prevention, a science-based prevention. And we think that if we can just shift medicine and research from 100% molecular to 20 to 30% molecular and 70 to 80% prevention, our entire world will change. At least in the United States, our healthcare system will change. Well, here, here, I'm on the as well, for sure. Yeah, yeah. because as it is, it's it's not a health care, it's sick care, which is fantastic. Right, right. We need sick care. But let's not name it health care. People come to you only at the point of disease. Mm -hmm. Even when there are preventive measures where they say, oh, wellness check, nobody takes that seriously because it's not that mindset. Mm -hmm. 
So after doing lots of amazing research with clinical trials on Alzheimer's and all this stuff and all those mice models and animal models, we said there has to be something different. So having this uh, unusual background, we said, we're going to look around. We looked around. We worked with Elizabeth Barrett Connor, which was a giant, 850 publications at the time, which is for those who do research, that's just, how do you get 850 publications? Pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, so we, we figured out we, there are prevention measures for other things, heart disease, cancer. So what about the brain? It's almost like they took the brain as a separate entity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's the, it's the same thing as every other organ, but much more overwhelming. So we looked around and lo and behold, 70 miles away it was Loma Linda University or Loma Linda, which is the only blue zone in America mm -hmm. and, and the only validated blue zone. So blue zones are yeah. areas for those who don't know are areas around the world where people live the longest and the healthiest. They have the highest number of centenarians, people over the age of 100 there. Focus there. Oh yeah, yeah, and 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 people live ten years longer and healthier than everybody else. This is so we only have one in the United States of America. One in the United States, Loma Linda, Loma Linda. Yeah. But it's <laughs> yeah. Wow, we have one. We yes. have one. Yeah. But we decided to say, you know, we told our mentors um, that we're going to go to Loma Linda, and they said, "Are you crazy? You have you know NIH and UCSD behind and your resume. You go, uh, it's career suicide." I said, "You know, we've taken risks. It's a good death." Yeah. Um, so we decided to go there. I, I did a cold call to the president. I said, we, I want to create a brain institute here. Um, he said, come on over. We started the first institute. Um, Aisha started dual fellowship, uh, dual residency. residency. Preventive medicine and neurology. So we started working in the realm of preventive neurology. I think we coined that term. Mm -hmm. And here we are. That's amazing. So talk to us about what you guys have seen what you guys are observing, what your research is telling you. Give us a sense of that, because this is now your second book about to come out in a, in a week. What's evolved over the years? Uh, give us some background. And, and you know, we've talked on the show before about cognitive health and brain health and how much there there is the power to change the course of what's happening. But that's not what patients are hearing when they go to the exam room. And it's also the general knowledge is not there. I mean, I'm seeing it as close to home where, I'm catching my husband, you know, forgetting things and, and having some brain fog and things like that. And my wheels are turning like, oh, we need to we need to jump on this now. He's only 43. So, you know, so again, there's not that general knowledge out there. Like, here's a checklist, right? Mm -hmm. These are the things you should be thinking about or, or looking for in your 30s and 40s, not waiting, you know, till you're 60 and 70. So give us a fill us in a little bit on what we might be missing out on, what sort of the span between your books has taught you and where you're going with this next book. Absolutely. Um, so when we first started talking about prevention of Alzheimer's disease specifically, so in, dementia is the umbrella term. Alzheimer's is the main type of dementia. 60 to 70 percent of all dementias are Alzheimer's disease. And dementia essentially means when people have problems with their memory to the point where their daily activities are affected. And the model that we have been given as physicians and healthcare providers is it's a disease that occurs in elderly people and there's no treatment for it. 400 clinical trials, not a single treatment. The medications that are out there is only for symptoms, managing symptoms, and that doesn't really last for a long time. So it's a very grim and a dark area where people would just get diagnosed and that was basically it. They would be planning the rest of their lives. And so when we first came out with a book, 
um, it was very controversial. Are you kidding? Lifestyle affects brain health. That's impossible. How can that be? Mm-hmm. I even recall um, when we went to London to um, to talk about our book, we were uh, invited by the BBC breakfast show, which apparently is the largest show ever. Right. And so on our way there, um, the producer got a cold call from the Alzheimer's Society in UK saying, this is very controversial. There's really no evidence for that. And so our 45 minute show was cut down to 10 minutes, but uh. we met ABBA and that was a really highlight of our day. But just so, so coming from there and then a year ago, actually a year and a half ago in the Alzheimer's Association International Conference, the plenary talk where all of the scientists and neurologists, 5,000 of them from all over the world get together, the plenary talk and the PowerPoint presentation was prevention is the new treatment. Wow. And I remember giving high Ooh. five to yeah. Dean at the yeah. conference. I was like, finally, yeah. finally. Yeah. And, you know, pharmaceutical companies like Pfizer completely withdrawing their research on finding a treatment because everybody understood that they were looking at the model in a very wrong way and that there was this huge aspect that we were completely ignoring. So um, I'm happy that we are at a point where all of this fantastic research is coming to us. Our own largest community-based research is showing is that when people institute healthy lifestyle early on, they can prevent devastating diseases like Alzheimer's and stroke and things of that nature. We work in the clinic. I work in the emergency room. I'm a vascular neurologist. And unfortunately, uh, you know, we meet people at a very late stage Mm -hmm. where, you know, the devastation has already occurred and there's really not much that one can do. But what people need to know that there's an entire spectrum of about, you know, 20 to 25 years where these pathologies linger in our body and they start damaging our brain. And if we catch it early, if we live a healthy lifestyle, we don't have to have memory problems. We don't have to have things like stroke. Well, let's break that down a little bit for everybody listening today, because again, many women are listening. They lead the family. They're worried like me about the children, grandparents, all these other people that are out there and in their lives. So where you said early on, define early on, is that 20, 30, 40? What is early on? What should we be looking for? And are there diagnostic studies, you know, that we could start to do early, you know, and start to really understand what's happening to our brain, maybe fill us in on that. Yeah. yeah. So I'll speak to the three uh, elements. Um, first, um, uh, what, is, what age is appropriate? Um, and second of all, what treatments and, and about women? Um, actually, let's reverse that. So women are at twice the risk of developing dementia than, really? uh, than men. Yes. Yeah. Um, and that's uh, and and at the beginning, people were attributing that to what's called survival bias because mm-hmm. women live a few years more than men. But it's not that; it's more than that. So you know, the twice the risk is is a factor. Now, when you look at the studies, those the twice the risk is actually mitigated, eliminated when people do a certain things. I mean, that's remarkable. That's incredibly hopeful. And by the way, none of the things we say is gimmicks. We're not selling anything, even the book, you know, if we could give it away, we'd give it away. In <laughs> fact, I'll tell you what we do with the book. All the proceeds go to a non-for-profit, a Healthy Minds Initiative, which we lead, which wow. 100%. And the aim is to promulgate and spread the message of brain health. The second thing about women is that uh, two-thirds of all dementias are women, but two-thirds of all caregivers are also women. Right. Mostly daughters and, and uh, you know, spouses. And an extension of that, when you look at international, remember you met international public health, when you look at international, national, at any level, 
a dollar spent on women is at the minimum. Yes, four, yes, four <laughs> times more effective, not just in healthcare, right. four times more effective in any realm. Right. So our, our efforts, and I'll, we'll tell you in a second about our research effort and our community efforts, which is the only one of its type, the largest in, in the world, is centered on women, not because we are being politically correct, because it's the effective model. If we so, let uh, me stop you. I for every woman listening to this show right now, I hope you understand how important you are because oh. what that what those numbers say essentially is that when we make any change, whether it's a tiny change, a big change, a life change, the ripple effect from us is just dramatic and we impact so many different people's lives. So I think that's why those numbers look the way they do, because when we get educated, we are influencing so many people around us and changing their lives at the same time. So that's my, that is my theory as to why, you know, I can tell you guys a million jokes, like why women's health matters. I started my clinic as a clinic for women and children because it was founded in the Chinese, you know, medicine principle that you don't you know treat the two separately. And all of a sudden, all these men started showing up. And I'm like, what is going on? But the the issue was the women were driving the men into the clinic, right? right. See my brother, see my husband, see my father, see my son. And so now it's like a full service you know, clinic. We see everybody. But again, I saw that. I witnessed that firsthand, how, how powerful women are and how much power is in their hands to really lead their family. So anyhow, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I no, just, no, just want to make sure everybody understands that concept. Oh, it's I'm, way more. I'm actually going to extend that a little bit because that that is at the core of the message. Um, yeah. and, and that is why we appreciate you so much. And I want to tell you a story. Um, so when, when Dean and I, you know, went back to Afghanistan because our grandfathers and grandparents were from Afghanistan, mm-hmm. um, Dean was establishing a, a specific model there. And I was working, uh, in the refugee camps, just, uh, you know, helping out. Um, and he's kind of humble. He doesn't want to talk about it, but, um, his plan implemented healthcare and he essentially trained 20,000 young girls and young women who were sixth grade educated. Mm -hmm. And they basically started this whole movement of teaching these women how to give ampicillin if there's an upper respiratory tract infection, how to give oral rehydration solution when children have diarrhea or, you know, things that can, can affect their GI system because one out of five children would die from very easily preventable diseases like diarrhea, et cetera. And also how to tell bleeding from spotting in a pregnant woman because the tertiary hospital was a five-day horse ride from their villages. And these women became educated and they became their community leaders. They were wow. they had a mud hut in a very conspicuous place. And it was a social jujitsu essentially because in those countries, as you know, it's very difficult to empower women. But these women became leaders and, you know, Dean said, we're not going to really touch your men. We're not going to do anything. They're not going to interact with anybody. But guess who gets sick the next day? Hmm. The man gets sick and they go to the clinic (laughs) and you've just completely shifted the paradigm. And these women actually became parliament members representing their villages and their provinces. That's how the society can be changed. That's how language can be changed. That's how you empower women. women. The women... So we, we are going on a tangent. We can leave the book aside. Don't worry about it. But but it's to me. I'm so passionate. I cannot tell you guys how passionate. So there's a there's right. an article we've published on PubMed, which is called "Using Healthcare as a Means of Empowering Women in Third World Countries." 
it's being used throughout the world now. And I wrote that, and I was the main author, and, uh, and, and we wrote it together. And, and, and this is because women lead. So when you look at um, my PhD is leadership, healthcare leadership. When you look at leadership, and this might be unpopular in some circles, but it doesn't matter. All leadership paradigms, all leadership paradigms are feminine. Mm-hmm. Consensus building, communication, group, all of the elements are feminine. So for multiple le- reasons, our efforts in, in Beach Cities, which is the Beach Cities is Manhattan Beach, Redondo Beach, Hermosa Beach. Um, they hired us when we were director of the Brain Health at Cedars. They brought us in to cre- initiate the largest brain health initiative, community-based brain health initiative. And guess what? 85% of the participants are women. Wow. We're talking, this is going, now we're starting a faith-based community and in, 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 in black community and churches. And actually that's directly centered on women, meaning that all the people that we're recruiting as trainers are going to be women in their communities and their churches in their households, because nobody can effectively bring change better than the women. Yeah, I love uh, it. So, yeah. so that's the model. This book, this book is nothing more than habits and behaviors. Mm-hmm. We know that what nutrition, we don't even there for us, there's no diet wars. If you go cleaner, you're going to do better. Mm-hmm. Right. Have you get less processed? You're going to, I mean, for transparency sake, we're whole food plant-based mm-hmm. for transparency sake. We, we are, you know, very much into meditation, mindfulness, exercise, all of that stuff. But when we discuss things with communities, we don't say go whole food plant-based for right. 150 minutes a week. We say where, find out where you are in a measurable way and move one step forward towards that. And those steps forward measurable systematic steps forward create habits habits become behaviors behaviors become character character becomes culture culture becomes movement mm. so this book is about not about on the, on the cover there's a cake <laughs> not about the cake the cake says that you can you can eat tasty and healthy food but the the book is about a movement towards community based behaviors household based behaviors that are not forced, but are not contrived, but are naturally slowly becoming healthier and healthier and healthier without people experiencing the pain and suffering of, of um, abstinence mm-hmm. or negating things. Right. So that's the, the, our, our entire movement. So how, do we, so how do we move this forward? So, you know, again, you know, in the context, and we could have 50 conversations, but in the context of brain health, and thinking of the woman, you know, still, and guys, this is how I'm not, I know we're in a modern century, but look, we gals are still doing most of the, most of the work. So how, how do we help women understand these are the things to look for when it comes to a brain that might be declining. These are maybe the four or five nutritional Mm -hmm. things to really be thinking about. Yeah one or two additional preventive things to bring into the family's health so that they can take that information after listening to today's episode mm-hmm. and maybe move their families forward a little bit. Uh, what would you tell those women? Amazing. Yeah. Um, I think the first thing to understand and accept is that it's not normal to have memory lapses. A lot of people think that as we all age, oh, well, I'm getting to that age where I can forget things. Oh, that's not normal. Mm -hmm. Successful cognitive aging is a thing. We have communities and societies that are living a cognitively brilliant life. And for someone to have memory lapses to the point where it affects their life, 
needs to be tested right away. I mean, of course, we all have these memory lapses. Sometimes we go to a room and we're like, why am I here? What, what am I looking for? We all have those. And it's multifactorial, lack of sleep, too much to think about, stress. Oh my goodness, especially mm -hmm. nowadays, we're all stressed. We're all having some anxiety, mm -hmm. inability to understand where it's coming from. These things affect our thinking process. These things affect our focus and attention. However, it's important for us to be quite aware of the kind of symptoms that we have and to kind of hold ourselves accountable and have our family members keep an eye on us to make sure that it doesn't become the norm mm -hmm. and get ourselves checked. And fortunately, now we have a lot of diagnostics, whether it's an MRI of the brain or a neuropsychological test, or just checking to see what our metabolic factors look like. Things like high cholesterol, high blood pressure, high sugar levels, inflammatory markers. These are things that are covered by insurance companies. You don't have to pay an extra amount to get it checked. And it should be a part and parcel of getting a screening test for one's brain health. And then other than that, I think we all as women, I mean, I have two teenage kids, mm -hmm. which in itself is a challenge. I mean, I have a lovely husband, but, you know, just raising two independent people at home and then being yeah. a physician, being an author, a chef, a cook and things like that. It get, You get bogged down by all these small yeah. little elements in your life. And especially if one is not organized. So planning things ahead of mm -hmm. time, knowing what your purpose is in life, focusing everything towards that one one purpose, one mission, whatever it may be, whether it's living a happy life or being fit or accomplishing a specific um, a project, etc. Just defining it in a very well way and then basically cutting down everything and making it small steps toward that purpose, that helps a lot. I mean, of course, we can probably spend days talking about this, but living in an organized, clutterless almost minimalist way helps significantly. What would that's you say? Beautiful. No, no, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. We, we have looking at the research yeah. when we lived in Loma Linda, uh, well, uh, now we live in Redondo, but we have clinic in Loma Linda two days a week. Uh, looking at patients, we looked at the data over and over again, uh, not just in Loma Linda Adventist Health Study, but also California Teachers Study and the Women's Health Study in Harvard, looking at all the data. And the, there are five factors. We uh, self-servingly, we called it neuro, neurologist or neuro, mm -hmm. N-E-U-R-O. N for nutrition, E for exercise, U for unwind, R for restorative sleep, and O for optimizing mental activity. The one That's in the center is the most important, you. Mm -hmm. Unwind. Unwind. Yeah. Unwind is not about just bad stress, but good stress and bad stress. Yes, you heard it right, good stress. Mm -hmm. Our brain is the most active organ in the known universe. 87 billion neurons, 100, sorry, one quadrillion connections, one times 10 to the 50th power. It's working constantly. It consumes 25% of our body's energy and at times up to 50% of the oxygen. It does some of its best work at night where everybody else sleeps. The brain is not. The brain is working and doing its cleansing and, and consolidating. So it gets overwhelmed. And that under stress, it gets overwhelmed even further. Mm -hmm. What does, what does stress mean? Stress is a short-term event and a long-term event. The short-term event is what we call fight or flight, you know, the autonomic system, uh, sympathetic, parasympathetic. And it's needed in, 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 in real life. If, survival. If a yeah. survival. If a tiger is attacking you, the sympathetic system fires, which means the vessels clamp. Your system actually reboots itself towards 
uh, fight or flight, which means away from growth, away from sexuality, away from immune system, away from all these things. Short term, that's fine. But imagine if you have a chronic state like that. Mm -hmm. That means chronic state of lower immunity, chronic state of lower growth hormone, chronic state of lower sexual hormones, uh, insulin and everything else. That becomes incredibly damaging. So that's stress. What causes that state? State of mind. What are bad stress thoughts or behaviors? We say behavior, thought, emotions, right? What are those? When a behavior, thought, or emotion is not under your control, doesn't serve your purpose, doesn't have clear timelines, doesn't have a clear success, it just runs on and on and on. And I'm not even talking about the painful type. I'm just talking about everyday activities that don't serve your purpose, don't have clear timelines or clear, clear victories. It becomes stressful. And that's creates a cascade of both the sympathetic system, which completely discombobulates your system, and another one, the, what we call the limbic hypothalamic pituitary axis. The emotions are interpreted in your emotional brain, the limbic system, mm -hmm. sends a different emo uh, piece of information if it's bad stress or good stress to the hypothalamus, which sends a different piece of information to the pituitary. Now, pituitary is the hormone central, you yeah. know. Growth hormone, thyroid, mm -hmm. um, insulin, everything is there, including indirectly through your cortisol, the immune system. So if it's chronic bad stress, it's your system is in disarray. Good stress. This is where I want your audience to focus on. Good stress is critical, even during this time. Yeah. Because good stress is the, uh, is the purpose of your brain. Why would we need this overpowered brain? If, it, if the whole purpose was to pick berries or chase down some animal and find a mate, a lot of animals do it better than us, yeah. right? Check. So, check. Yeah. Yeah. You want to you hunt something? A tiger does it better than you. You want to climb something? A monkey does it better than you. Uh, you want to run down something? A cheetah does it better than you. So mm -hmm. then why did we need this brain? Information, information, information. Mm -hmm. It's numb. And if you're not giving it information, in fact, cognitive reserve, which starts early on, but throughout life, which means challenge your brain with complex activities. Mm -hmm. We did a meta-analysis, which is painful, published in 2018 in PubMed. And we looked at all the data on cognition and, 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 and activities, purpose, complexity, and challenge. So mm -hmm. there are, here are some actionable things now. So Sudoku is great. Crossword puzzles are great, but they're not complex. They're not right. real life activities. Do them. If you like them, do them. But an activity like learning a new musical instrument, mm -hmm. or if you already play musical instrument, learning new songs, learning to dance, more challenging to some of us than others, uh, learning a new, music, a new language, running a group, running a book club, managing a podcast, mm -hmm. writing books, um, uh, leading teams. Uh, these are complex activities that engage multiple domains of the brain. Mm -hmm. And where's the challenge part? And of course, they, you pick ones that serve your purpose, meaning that they give you some pleasure. It yeah. doesn't have to be world changing, like I'm going to save the rainforest. Mm -hmm. It could be I'm going to learn guitar. Mm -hmm. And that pushes you. And then challenges, if you learn four chords and you're good at it, that's not enough. Don't stay there. Go to five chords. Go to a new song. That activity alone 
gives you more cognitive reserve than anything. It's just like working out, right? Like you way bigger than working out and you max out on this level. So then you have to switch the muscles you're using to have some challenge and new definition. Then you have to switch over here again. Absolutely. It's way bigger than that. So, so when they, when you work out a muscle Mm -hmm. biceps, the biggest guy, you know, is three times bigger than he could be right. Three times. Now look at the neurons. We have 87 billion neurons, but each of them can make a couple of connections or as many as 30,000 connections. By the way, that's under your control at any age, at any time Mm -hmm. and rapidly. Mm -hmm. Now, when you increase capacity that much, that protects you against almost anything. Then uh, for those of you, we don't have time to go into all the studies. Look at the nun study. Mm -hmm. Nuns that had pathology were protected against Alzheimer's because they had more connection. Why? Because they had read more, they had better vocabulary. They were much more conversant. They're much more social. That's what protects us. So that's where we start. Good stress and bad stress. Define your good stresses specifically and measurably and work towards increasing them. Define your bad stressors specifically and measurably and work towards reducing them. And if if your audience and all, especially during COVID era, Right. If we just do that, well, but by the way, none of us are trained in doing this, are we? No. I, I wish kids were trained in doing this. That also gives you control over your dopamine surges. Yep. You are controlled. It gives you control over your anxiety. What is anxiety? Anxiety is a long-term pattern of uncontrolled stimulus response. Mm-hmm. That And now you're taking control of it in small measures. It's not going to happen overnight, but you're going to take control over it. It's going to give you control over your sleep. So that act of controlling or defining good stress and bad stress starts first. And if you do that well, then you can implement a good eating program because otherwise it's going to be the diet du jour. You know, right. today is this, tomorrow is that. Um, so that's, that's uh, the, 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 the core of what our research is. The core of our book is empowerment. Uh, empowering, well, empowering women. Absolutely. Speaking my language, I love it. Well, I think I could talk to the two of you probably for literally another couple of hours. So we'll have to pick this back up. But I think that for everybody listening today, I hope you've heard the messages, right? There's empowerment that's within our own hands. It's within our brains. We have the power to control so much of that. In your book, the one that's coming out, and let me make sure I get the title correct, The Alzheimer's Solution. Is there a plan to help us kind of walk us through that? Is there more information if somebody listening today wants, wants something to like get their hands on and follow it and digest it? Tell us a little bit about the book. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the 30-day Alzheimer's solution. So it's, it's focused on the how. Um, how do you implement healthy living in your daily lifestyle so that it becomes a part and parcel of you and it's pleasurable? Um, that's why we focused on basically summarizing the science behind it. As science, it's important to back up your statements. And we've included more than 75 recipes. We've talked about exercise, stress management, restorative sleep, and how to keep one's mind active. Uh, for people who pre-order the book, they are included in a 30-day program where we, Dean and I, our friends, we have a Harvard-trained uh, sleep doctor, an Oxford-trained stress uh, doctor, a behavioral specialist, and registered dietitian essentially hang out in that community and it's a 30-day journey towards better brain health. So we've tried to include you know, specific things that would help individuals but also meet them where they are to optimize that. 
Wonderful. Well, thank you both for taking time out today to educate us, inspire us, lead us in this conversation around brain health and health in general. If anyone wants to connect with you, what is the best way for them to do that? We're so grateful for you to have us on, on this podcast, on this show. You're doing an amazing job, and we're so glad to be connected with you. Thank you for everything you're doing. Um, we are TeamShareZai.com. Our website is TeamShare.com. We're ShareZai.md on social media, on Instagram, um, Twitter, and on Facebook. And um, you know, all of the proceeds of the book goes to the Healthy Minds Initiative. And if people are interested in finding out about our research and community efforts, they can visit HealthyMindsInitiative.org to learn more. Wonderful. So thanks. Thank you both so much. I enjoyed this conversation for sure. And for everybody else listening, I hope you're as inspired as I am. Thank you again for watching this episode of Superwoman Wellness. And remember to rate and review it and share it with your friends. I'll see you guys next time. <music>